Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or you'd like to receive prayer for. We'd love to talk with you and pray for you and hopefully answer those questions that you have. Give us a call. The number to call is 303 303- 690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming, up and down the front range of the Rockies here on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to welcome those who are listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Just so so great and encouraging to see how God is using this show and how it's spreading across the country in different syndicated stations. But you know that we're also available online. And so we know there are many of you who have already downloaded the app. We encourage those of you who haven't to go and do so because we know that we actually get a lot of callers from out of state who listen on the app. Uh, they're outside of our broadcast ranges. I know we, we have regular listeners in places like Arkansas and Florida into California and other people, but uh, you can go into the app store. Oh, yeah, I see. we recently had a call from Hawaii, for example. So you can go into your app store on uh, your device that you use. Just type in Grace FM, just as one word. It'll come right up, and you can put that on your device, and you can listen wherever you are in the country, actually, really, around the world. So we'd love for you to do that. And you can also, always listen also in your browser, for those of you who are online throughout the week, whether it's for your work or for any other reason. <clears throat> you can always... Uh, Go into your browser, go to gracefm.com, click the button to listen live, and you can listen to this show and all the other great programming here on Grace FM, wherever you're at. So do that. But hey, also a reminder, those of you who are listening over the air on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, just a reminder that you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. Um, but that, that is also a good opportunity for you. It means that you get the chance to call in now with your question, and then you get to tune in a week later and listen to the rebroadcast of it and get to hear the answer once again and hear your question and everything. So just a reminder, you on the East Coast and in Tennessee are hearing the program on a one-week delay. Those of you here in Colorado listening on Grace FM and those listening online are hearing the show live. So welcome to the program. We'd love to hear from you. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe as you've been reading the Bible, something's come up that you're curious about that you don't know the answer to, and you'd love to receive some help. We'd love to talk with you and hopefully give you some help in those areas. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself as we're waiting for those calls to come in. Um, My name is Pastor Nick Cady, and I am the host here every Monday on Calvary Live. 
I believe every Tuesday is Jeff Figs from Calvary Chapel Greeley, and he is away today, so I am filling in for him. But yeah, I'm with you every Monday on Calvary Live. I hosted yesterday, and I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and that we are a church that uh, loves Jesus. We love the Bible. We love to study the Bible. We usually study by, uh, books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and um, and right now, actually, we are finishing up a series where we're, we're not doing that, so it's a little bit uh, different. What we're doing is a, it's a topical series, which is called I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And in this series, what we've been doing, this is going to be our last weekend this coming Sunday, so we'd love to have you join us for that. We're definitely going to be talking about a really important topic and topic that a lot of people deal with. Uh, personally. So in this series, what we've been doing is we've been talking about the things that people struggle with, the biggest hurdles that people face when it comes to believing in God and, and embracing what the Bible says and truly you know, putting your faith in the gospel. What are the hurdles? What are the things that people say are their hangups, the things that are difficult for them? And what we've been doing over the course of these nine weeks is just taking a, a, a hard look at each of these issues and trying to give really solid biblical responses. Because what I've found in, in a lot of these cases is the things that people say, you know, this is the thing that is keeping me from believing. Uh, usually there are really good answers. And so we just want to present those answers. And also at the same time, what that does, maybe you're like, well, you know what, that's not something I struggle with at all. Well, here's what we can do through these studies is that we provide you with maybe some tools and some information um, that you can use to, um, that you can use to talk to other people that you talk to and your as you go about your, um, your life, you know, people in your family, coworkers of yours, people who ask these kind of questions. And we, uh, through this study have been able to kind of equip, that's also one of our goals as a church, you know, to equip believers for the work of the ministry, like Ephesians 4 says. So we'd love to have you uh, join us this coming Sunday. Uh, our next series after this, we're going to be studying First and Second Thessalonians. I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, our church, uh, for those of you who are interested, we are located in downtown Longmont, Colorado. We are one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. And we are right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is the city park there in Longmont. The building we meet in is called the St. Vrain Memorial Building, and we meet there every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we'd love to have you join us if you need directions or you need information, or maybe you want to listen to some of our past messages. Uh, For example, in this current series that we're in, uh, we've got eight messages already in this archive of this uh, series, eight topics that we've looked at that people tend to struggle with when it comes to faith. A lot of the same issues that we deal with here on Calvary Live. So do check that out. You can do that on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Whitefields with an S, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM on our show, which is called Life in the Field, and it airs every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So let's go to our, our first caller, Larry in Colorado Springs. Hi, Larry. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. So I, I have a, a good friend I work with, and uh, we're both believers. We've um, shared many thoughts. We share Bible verses back and forth. Good relationship, good friendship. Something came up today that I had never talked with this person about. He is Church of Christ, so he believes you have to be baptized to be saved. And I said, no, I think that's, that's a form of a work. And I've heard some of the other pastors talk about it as a work in the past and how it's the completed grace of Christ on the cross. Nothing else can add to that. But I just wanted to get some verses. I shared with him 
you know, Ephesians, that's through grace, uh, through faith through grace, uh, grace through faith, and not of works, so no one can boast, that sort of thing. And what, what about the thief on the cross next to Jesus? How did he get baptized and so forth? And they have a long, convoluted way of explaining that and so forth. But what are verses you use to counter that argument that you have to be baptized to be saved? Because Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized uh, will be saved. He is not believed, will not be saved. So there are, there are arguments that make it sound like you've got to be baptized to be saved. So what are, your, what are your verses you use to defend that, that you don't have to be baptized? Yeah, so Larry, I think it's a good... Um good question. It sounds to me like you're hitting on all the relevant verses. So I I would point you mostly to that one in Mark 16, which you just quoted, which says, Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And this is really important that uh, notice what he says. He doesn't say, and whoever does not believe and is not baptized, right? So when he talks about condemnation, he talks about condemnation only in reference to belief. I think that right there is very telling. Uh, Also, you know, this is one of two verses that talks about baptism in the New Testament in this way, right? So the other one is in Matthew chapter 28. Also, these are two different uh, accounts of what we call the Great Commission. And uh, I would point him also to the Gospel of John, which constantly says, believe, 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 like go into John 20. I mean, go into almost every chapter of the Gospel of John is all about believing. He's, he lays that out in chapter one, right? Like, I'm telling you these things so that you believe, because everybody who believes, he gives the right to be called children of God. And then he says there in chapter 20, verse 30, uh, this is John's Gospel, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Again, so belief is directly correlated with life. If, you know, don't you think that it would have been pretty important, like, we're talking about how to be saved and not go to hell and go to heaven, right? Like, you would think that the gospel writers if that's the whole purpose of their gospel is to tell us how to go to heaven, if we have to be baptized, that they would make sure that we absolutely know that. Like it would be without question. Uh, Another relevant scripture would be uh, when Paul is in jail in um, Philippi. Remember the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts? Yeah. And the Philippian jailer asks him, you know, sir, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, you must believe and get baptized. No, actually, I added that because I'm joking, and he didn't say that. He said, what does he say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Full stop, right? So, again, if if the Bible wanted us to know that, I mean, and I would think that the Bible would want us to know, if that's what's required in order for us to be saved is for us to also be baptized, then it would there would be no question. Like, this is a book yeah. about how to be saved, right? Yeah, it would, it would be in neon lights, it seems like. You know, and Paul said, said I'm, I'm glad that I baptized none of you. You know, and it's like, he that was not a big issue with him. Not well, that it's not important, but it, he, that's not what he emphasized. So if it's necessary for salvation, why wasn't he doing it wholesale, you know? Correct. And now I will say, on that verse, my, my take on it would be, like I wouldn't put, I wouldn't hang my hat on that verse, and here's why: because I think that what he's saying really is that he doesn't want people to be attached to him; he wants them to be focused on Jesus, not on humans. You know, because human beings will always let you down, and that's kind of his point there. 
And he says, you know, um, you know, he's talking about people were, you know, being divisive and being like, hey, I'm of Peter, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. And some people were like, kind of like snooty. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm much more spiritual than you guys. I'm just of Jesus. And his point was, you know, I'm glad I didn't baptize more people because then there would be more people who, you know, are trying to say, hey, I'm, I'm a Paul type of Paul. You know, it's kind of like people today who affiliate more with their denomination than they do with the fact that they're a Christian. But I do agree that it would be in neon lights. But there is something that is in neon lights in the Bible, and that is belief in Jesus, right? Like, that is like, do not miss exactly. this, right? Like, okay, here's another example. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, you know, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit whom you received when you believed. Okay, so again, uh, now... Yeah, you're right, Church of Christ, and that includes, um, you know, there's a couple different groups that are belong to that Church of Christ group. So, like, Disciples of Christ is another group that comes from the same movement. Another one is Christian Church. So, like, when you see a church that's called Christian Church, I'm always like, man, how did they copyright that name? Like, how was that yeah. available? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm a Christian Church. How come I don't get to be called that? But anyway, so that the denomination Christian Church is just another name also for Church of Christ. So they're related groups. And, and generally— you know, really, really great churches. I think this is the one area where I would say that's a, that's a pretty big, pretty big doctrine. And, yeah. Uh, do you do you see that as being? It's not something that's going to keep them out of heaven, though. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, if anything, you yeah. got to see their heart in this. Is that they're trying to yeah. actually yeah. do? They're trying to do justice to the gospel, right? Yeah. And yeah. here's here's what I would say in agreement with them. I would say that. Um, Every Christian should be baptized, but yes, it, no no yeah, doubt. every and here's why: because like if Jesus is your Lord and this is what He says that you should do, yep. then you should absolutely do it. Yep. Um, and so, I think at the end of the day, we get the same result. But uh, I think the doctrine does matter. Yeah, I agree. All right, hey, very helpful. Thank you so much for your time. God right bless now. you, Larry. Thanks for calling in. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines. We'd love to hear from you. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or about anything going on in your life, like Larry's question here, a question about doctrine, etc. And we'd love to hear from you. Do give us a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Donnie in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hi, Donnie. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing today, Pastor? Doing great. What's up? Good, good. So I have a, I have a question for you, and it's it's been a concern for like last month. Um, I was raised Baptist, um, and then Within the last, say, seven, eight years, I was sitting underneath an Assemblies of God, which is Pentecostal, and I have been able to pray and speak in tongues. And within the last six months, I've had a lot of controversy because I have a lot of people that hit me up and tell me that that's demonic, that that, that is not something that God does, that there was a time for that, and then it ceased in the apostolic age. And then they give me um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I can't remember which verse it is. It says that those things have ceased, and because of it, I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody, but I'm really struggling with it and kind of upset and mad. That verse seems very strong, 
in, in their argument that that has ceased. And I don't want to be a stumbling block to anybody, but I just I believe that it's true. But I know that that's not going to be. I, I don't think that's good enough to just say, well, I believe it, and that's just the end of it. I want to make sure that I'm doing right and following the Bible correctly. Yeah, Donnie, that's great. Hey, um, I'm going to—I feel like I can really uh, have a lot of help for you here. I actually did—I've um, done quite a bit of seminary work on the the topic of what's called glossolalia, which is speaking in tongues, as well as on uh, continuationism, which is the belief which is that— the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, that they haven't changed, that they weren't um, only for the apostolic age and then at some point ceased. That position is called cessationism, which, you know, comes from the word ceasing. Um, and of course, continuationist comes from the idea that they've continued. So, um, you know, I'm a confirmed uh, continuationist. I, I absolutely believe that's the case. And I believe it's the case for many reasons. One of them is, um, I guess, you could just say that there is no reason in the Bible to believe that they have ceased. And in fact, the verse that you're mentioning, 1 Corinthians 13, is a very weak argument, which I think that any intellectually honest uh, person has to admit is not referring to the gifts of the Spirit ceasing in an apostolic age. In fact, uh, like I said, I'm doing my master's right now uh, Mm -hmm. in the seminary, and I just wrote a paper about a year ago on on cessationism and the logic that goes behind it, it's referred to in uh, theological terms as what's called theological method, which is the method by which you come about believing the things that you believe and holding the positions that you hold. Mm-hmm. You know, Donnie, if you're interested, and if anyone else listening is interested, um, text me your email address. I'll read that text line okay. a couple more times through this show, and I would be happy to even send you my seminary yes. paper. It's, I think it's actually, I know it might sound like a daunting read, but it's not at all. It's a very no, quick no, and easy read. And it'll show you the, you know, kind of the thought process that goes into, and actually the historical uh, basis for cessationism is actually not a very recent thing. So like cessationism and the idea that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped, that belief really only came about maybe in the 17, 1800s. Um, if even if you mm-hmm. look at um, some of the reformers kind of alluded to the idea that maybe it had stopped, but uh, many of them hadn't. In fact, the Roman Catholic Church today is a continuationist church, and um, I think that's very telling. Not that... Um, you know, not that I agree with them on all their doctrinal positions, but it shows right. that there's a continuation throughout history of that Christians have, until recently, majority believed that there was a continuation of the Holy Spirit uh, working today through. And and let me be clear: when when or sorry, when cessationists talk about gifts ceasing, they are not talking about all the gifts ceasing. They are talking about sign gifts. And um, okay. and their whole reason for the sign gift, the belief that the sign gifts have ceased is the, the belief that the sign gifts, um, I, I would say it's a incorrect assumption about what the purpose of the sign gifts are for. And I'll, okay. I'll just read you, you know, I, I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, man, I have so many thoughts in my head. Let me just try and try yeah. to organize them as I talk. But, um, okay, let me yeah. just uh, start with the verse that you're referencing that maybe some of your friends have used. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 13, and I'll just read starting verse 8. Uh, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, there's the key right there, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, so he mentions uh, three gifts, uh, really two gifts. Right, so he says uh, prophecies and knowledge mm-hmm. will pass away, and, um, and then he talks about tongues. So he says three things will pass away: prophecies will pass away, tongues will pass away, and knowledge will pass away, um, but love will remain. And he says, when will they pass away? He says, um, mm-hmm. when they are not needed. Right? And he says, um, we mm-hmm. now do it in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And so their argument is basically that the perfect, what's being described there, is a reference to, um, to the, the Bible, right? And meaning the canon of Scripture, meaning that when the canon right. of Scripture was finalized, there was no longer a need for the sign gifts. But here's the problem with that, is that we know that uh, the gift of prophecy isn't for the purpose of revelation. In fact, um, even if you look at the prophets in the New Testament, they are not giving revelation in the sense of the prophets aren't speaking things in lieu of people having the word of God. Secondly, by the time Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, much of what we know as the canon of Scripture today, or the Bible, New Testament, it was a lot of it was written, and it was being distributed amongst the churches, and it was treated as Holy Scripture. So I wrote on this recently on my blog. If you're ever interested, you can just browse some of the articles on there, but I've just written about this a couple weeks ago about did the early church consider, did they have the New Testament, and did they consider it Scripture like right after it was written? And and I believe the answer is yes, and I give some reasons why. Um, but anyway, if you're interested, you can just jot this down. It's nickkady.org, so N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org, and you can just go okay. in there and you can browse those articles. I just wrote on this recently. So, um, But again, what is the perfect that will come which at which time prophecy, tongues, and knowledge will cease? Well, I think an honest reading of this passage shows that what he's talking about when he says, "We, I now know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known, he's talking about the uh, coming of Jesus, right? So this mm-hmm. is the, what's called in theological terms the parousia, right? This is the, the coming of Jesus at the end of the age. This is the time when we will see God face to face. And mm-hmm. that's really important. So at that time, of course, we won't need to know prophecy because the purpose <coughs> of prophecy is to know God's heart for a particular situation, time, and place. Right. You see? So we won't need to know that because we'll be right there. And here's the other thing I would point out why this is a faulty um, you know, exegesis of this passage and, and hermeneutic is because uh, he says that knowledge will pass away. Well, I don't think anybody thinks that knowledge has passed away. Furthermore, if you look at church history, here's one more reason, is that we know that the uh, practice of having prophets in the church um, continued on well into the second century. And so, again, so these things are just inconsistent. Again, belief in cessationism came about much later. Uh, So, yeah, I think I had one or two more thoughts on this, of course. Oh, yeah, here's what I was going to tell you. That uh, the purpose of prophecy, it says in chapter 14, verse 3, is not necessarily new revelation, but it is, it says this, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. He's not talking about revealing new information or even like right. canonical ideas in the word of scripture. This is a, 
a word from God for a particular time and place, you know, and, right. uh, and it also tells us that prophecies are to be weighed. For example, in the book of Acts too, we see that there's a prophet named Agabus. He comes forth, he says something. And, um, and essentially the community begins to weigh what has been spoken by Agabus. So we, we see, you know, talk about prophecy in Acts chapter 11, where it talks about women prophesying in the church and men prophesying in the church. These people are not revealing the word of God in lieu of scripture. They would have scripture okay. readings. These are people saying, hey, I feel like God is saying this to us right now. Now, these things need to be weighed because what a lot of cessationists will say is they'll be like, hey, if you start doing that, you know, that's a slippery slope. You're opening up the floodgates. Who knows what's going to happen? It's just going to be weirdness. Mm -hmm. And people saying stuff like, hey, God told me that you need to sell your house and you need to marry this person. And then everybody's right. just going to do it. And it's just going to be chaos. Well, let's admit, certainly that has happened and it has been detrimental. Right. And that's why it's so important that the Bible definitely says, do not despise prophecies, but weigh all things and keep that which is good. Right. The only thing that I was able to, because um, I absolutely love my Baptist brothers, but I've had I've lost a couple of them, you know, off of Facebook because they, I mean, they went as to as so far as to say that that's uh, of Satan, and well, that's that's a whole different thing with that. And uh, as much as I tried to reconcile on those things, I ended up losing a friend or two over that. Um, not on my part, but I tried defending it by saying, well, it doesn't say that it has stopped. It just says one day it will. So, but they look at it. Now, it seems like I'm getting a little variations between different Baptists because some believe that it, that it refers to what you were saying, the can of, canon of Scripture being complete. The other one's saying the completion, that which comes that is perfect, and they're like, "Did Jesus came, he was perfect, it ceased. It, it ceased. Like, how could you not understand that, Donnie? And I'm like, and it, and it took me back a little bit, because I always try to be a little cautious and err on the side of, of, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but at the same time, I also don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so I just, it's been really bothersome. So I will make sure that I send you a, a text, and then whatever information you have, I would love to read it and, and be encouraged by it, because it's been something I've been struggling with really bad. And, yeah, and, you know, and I, even in my personal prayer life, just alone, Donnie, I, I'll just I, tell I, you, if I could feel it. I'll just you know, tell you this. It's stop. it's certainly this is certainly not something worth dividing over. I'm sorry that your friend felt that way. Um, I really think that the idea of um, this being something demonic is I don't know. I don't, don't want to be harsh, but I think it's a uh, it's that's incorrect. Let's ju I'll just leave it at that. Um, but it's this is a, what we call a secondary doctrine. There's room for us to be brothers and and disagree on this topic. And I would really encourage you know you to. I, I'm guessing that's your heart. Um, but I would hope that this would be the heart of other people out there as well. This is like what we yeah. could call like a collegiate debate, right? Like we can talk about this and still be family um, and Absolutely. still be brothers and sisters and have differing viewpoints. Um, but, you know, sometimes in our in our disagreements, some people try to be like, they'll try to nail down their position and be like, look, if you disagree with me, then you're not only... Uh, you're like a heretic and you're wrong and they try to make it like a all or nothing thing. And this is not an all or nothing thing. This is one of those things where it's like, uh, Paul says, Hey, I wish that all of you practice spiritual, uh, practices. And uh, I wish that all of you spoke in tongues, you know, like, um, 
in other words, if you don't do it, you, um, you know, you're missing out. Here, I'll tell you one more thing, though, before I let you go. There's a, also a really great article. So I'm giving you a couple resources. One is text me and anyone else listening who would like to read that seminary paper I wrote. Text me the text line with your email address. Text line is 720-336-0897. And a really great article came out on calvarychapel.com just yesterday. My friend Kellen Criswell in California wrote it, and it's a, it's a, outlining the case for continuationism and the work of the Holy Spirit today. Just go to calvarychapel.com, and it's right there on the front page. Click on it and listen. Uh, read that article by Kellen. It's very good. Kellen's a great thinker, very you know linear thinker, and that would be awesome. So, Donnie, God bless you, and I just pray for um, for unity with you and your friends. But I also pray, um, you know, that you would abound in this in the gifts of the Spirit. I appreciate it, Pastor, and thank you very much. You bet. God bless you. Bye bye. God bless you. Bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We are about to go to our mid-show break. So we've got some callers on the line, but we've got one open line. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And we'll be right back right after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We'd love to talk with you pray for you, and hopefully answer those questions that you have. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller. I'm going to pull it up real quick. We've got David in Colorado Springs. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. Hi there, Nick. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, Welcome. Well, uh, the reason I'm giving you a call is, um, so uh, I'm a relatively new believer, about probably about two years, and uh, I've been doing a lot of um, just reading into my Word, and uh, one verse that I keep coming across that always seems to kind of spook me a little bit, and at times I've had some resolve about it, but it always just kind of seems to come back and uh, bother me a little bit is uh, probably Matthew uh, 7:22, where it just uh, is talking about, you know, it says, "Many will say to me on that day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles?" And uh, Lord will say, um, "Depart from me, I never knew you." And uh, that bothers me um, pretty bad because it really brings in a question for me: um, if people are prophesying in the name of Jesus, they're performing miraculous signs, they're casting out demons in the name of the Lord, and yet they're still unrecognizable um, to our Savior. Um, uh, When you think about prophesying, you know, a lot of times, I mean, one of the, I might have an error in uh, the vocabulary, but I think, you know, people who proclaim the name of Jesus say, you know, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God. Um, And then for those people to be unrecognizable to the Lord, um, and to not truly be in fellowship and to be um, uh, 
and to be one with God. Um, how do you? How do we know uh, that we aren't all deceived? You know, it says many um, will uh, say to me on that day, and so it's it makes me wonder how many of us are actually those those people, if that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah, I think the whole purpose of that verse in this section of verses is to cause us to question whether we are really in the faith. And let's put it this way. I would say that the Bible does this in several places. And uh, there are times when, you know, I would say the Bible seeks to comfort the afflicted. And there are other times when it seeks to afflict the comforted. And when I mean afflict the comforted, or when I say afflict the comforted, what I mean is that there are some people who need to be shaken up. They, They need to be you know, they think that they have a false sense of security and they think that, hey, it's all good because I, you know, prayed a prayer of salvation one time at camp or I, you know, I've been in church all my life. And in theory, of course, I guess I believe the Bible's true and these sorts of things. And it's causing us to just, Jesus is saying, hey, I you know, you need to take a second because the the tragedy would be for you to live your whole life thinking that everything's good, that you're good with God, and then to come to find out on the day of judgment that you're not. And again, remember, the reason Jesus is saying this is as a, as a warning. So again, he's not saying it um, for any other reason than for us to really examine ourselves. And I think there's so many people who need to do that. So many people who take for granted the fact that, yeah, I'm sure I have a good relationship with God. I'm, I, I'm sure because I've been going to church or I've done this. And, you know, there are a few, few things that pop out on us, uh, pop out to us from the text itself. Lord, Lord. I mean, and whenever you see something, uh, something repeated, especially a name uh, in Jewish culture at that time, it was a way of emphasizing, you know, like really big emphasis. So this would, in, uh, it would basically imply passion. So people who, you know, passionately said, Lord, Lord, that we see that they were, you know, prophesying, casting out demons. So they're serving. It means that even if, even if you're serving in your church, even if, you know, you're the guy with your hands raised in service, you need to ask this question too. Am I really in the faith? And that's such an important fundamental question for us to ask. And I'll just tell you a quick story if you don't mind. But here's the story is that when I was 16 years old, well, I guess I'll start before that. I grew up going to a Lutheran uh, parochial school in Lakewood here. Bethlehem Lutheran is where I went to school, grades K through 8. And I want to just say uh, off the bat, if anybody uh, you know listening is affiliated with Bethlehem, I love Bethlehem. And I loved, I got a great education, and I also uh, learned a ton about Jesus. And I learned, I memorized a ton of the Bible. And uh, it was a good school and a good church, and uh, I'm glad that I grew up associated with that church. But uh, by the time I reached age 16, I, you know, I was now, you know, going to public school. I was going to school in Arvada, uh, where I went to high school, and um, and I definitely, if you would have asked me if I was a Christian, I probably would have said, I don't know, probably not. You know, like I, I guess in theory, I believed that God was true. Like I believe in God, that God exists. Um, and I believed that the stuff that said in the Bible about Jesus was true. I believed it all in theory. And I started driving this neighbor of mine to school. Uh, we lived a little bit further out, like East Arvada. And um, so we would drive into school. And so she challenged me one day in the car, you know, by reading this verse. And she said, hey, you know what? Is this you? Are you this person who you think you know God, but the reality is that you have never had a relationship with God? 
And uh, it just cut me like a knife to the heart where I said, you know what? Uh, I didn't tell her this right away because I was too proud. But the truth was inside I was saying, oh my gosh, I mean, that is, you just called my number. Like that is me. I know all the stuff about God and about Jesus and what the Bible says, but I don't have a relationship with God. Like I've never had one. Like I've never like had a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it was uh, at that time, I, I just, you know, I was also involved in some stuff and I somehow just kind of came to this conclusion. I, I believe by the Holy Spirit inside of me telling me, hey, if you were to die today, you would go to hell. I mean, you would because, uh, you know, a, a Christian is somebody who follows Jesus and you are not. And even if you might know these things in theory and nod your head to them, you're not a Christian. And so... Uh, that got me. This verse, God used these verses, these three verses in my life to bring me to that place of getting on my, I physically got on my knees one night in my room and I confessed and said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And I want to know you. I want to uh, truly know you as my Lord and my Savior. And uh, that was the turning point in my life. And so I thank God for these verses. I was that person who had that false sense of security and needed to be shaken up. And that's what these verses are all about. Awesome. Praise God. Good deal. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really appreciate you, know, you just uh, sharing your heart with that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, that definitely helps out a lot, for sure. Um, I think the biggest battle is just, uh, like you said, just checking yourself, um, checking your relationship, and just speaking with God about the things that you're concerned about. Yeah. And um, making sure that, you know, uh, just having that relationship and spending that time, and it can be difficult on an everyday basis. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not something we do naturally. It's very supernatural. Yeah. So, well, let me, let me but, pray for, for us here at the end there, David. And Heavenly yeah. Father, I, I, I thank you for David. I thank you for his heart. I thank you for his call. And I thank you for all those who are listening right now who need to hear this as well. Maybe there's some listening right now. And that, that question that was posed to me is the question that they need posed to them. Are you really in the faith? If When you stand before God, is he going to say, we never had a relationship, I never knew you, or... Or have you really known him as your Lord? Lord, I pray that if there's anybody right now who needs to hear that, that this would be something you use in their life, just like you used it in mine, to bring them to that place of surrender. And so, Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you that it speaks into our lives in different ways. And I pray for those who are perhaps uh, dealing with this. They have a false sense of security, and they need to be shaken up. Lord, I pray you'd use it in their life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, David. Right. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thank you very much. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And you can text us, 720-336-0897. We'll go to our next caller. And it's Jeff in Windsor, Colorado. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Hello, Nick. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for holding. I know you were holding for a while. Oh no, it wasn't wasn't too long at all. So and I keep myself busy with other things. So great. <laughs> but anyway, hey, I've got a, I had a question. We're studying uh, Revelation uh, and six. Uh, good book to be be studying. I think just awesome. But uh, we we came across uh, six verse two. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow, and the crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. 
Now, when I was looking at that, and I have the Blue Letter Bible, and I looked at the commentaries, and there's actually two different ways to go on that. One would be the Antichrist, that's a, a depiction of the Antichrist, and the other one is Jesus. And I just wanted to get a little more information on what your thought was on that. Yeah, I know that uh, I'm the f- interpretation I'm most familiar with is that that is referring to Jesus. Okay. Um, and for several several reasons. Uh, again, we also see Jesus depicted as coming in a white horse in Revelation 19, verse 11. Um, I'm looking something up as we talk as to who this writer is. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing the same things that you're seeing. Um, that this, you know, so futurists, which I, I would, I guess, follow, fall in that category as opposed to preterists, right? Preterists are those who believe that Revelation speaks of things which happened in the past. Futurists believe that these speak of things which are coming in the future. Um, you know, I think that there's a decent case for reading Matthew 24, for example, as some of those things have already taken place. But when it comes to Revelation and these things, my view is that they're, they, many of these things are still in the future. And so uh, futurists, you know, they would think that this is, it looks to me like the most writers, commentators are saying that this represents Jesus. The sword he's wielding represents the word of God. He has a crown on his head. And this, what's happening here is the beginning of a great time of tribulation, and it is initiated, in a sense, by Jesus. So right. that's the interpretation that I'm familiar with. Um, others, I do see that others think the rider on the white horse represents the Antichrist, but I get, I'm not really seeing a lot more information as to why they think that. Okay, yeah. And I've seen it both ways, I'm, it's from, even from the Calvary Chapels, you know, movement, uh, that the, some of the, 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 the preachers or teachers there say, it's the Antichrist. I've kind of looked at it both ways, and, and uh, yeah, I'm just kind of, I can see it both ways, and, and, and it's interesting to see what your thought is. So, and I will go over Matthew uh, 24 and, and look at that some more. So. Yeah, and again, that's not really referring to this per se, but uh, that's that's a whole different animal on its own, you know, but um, but as far as this, yeah, it seems that uh, I'm actually surprised. I've never looked at this with a great detail. I always just assumed that this was Jesus. Um, I wasn't actually too familiar with the other position on this. So Yeah, yeah, because it comes out, and I guess it, it uh, kind of represents the Antichrist. One is he's got a bow, no arrows, um, and mm. he's coming out to win the battle where he's kind of the, the guy that's, or the he's orchestrating some of the, the next writers that are coming out, of course, you know, um, yeah, you know, the no, I get everything that. Everything else, so it's kind of kind of interesting, really interesting. When I was looking at that, so yeah, with the four horsemen, right? Yeah, uh, it seems to me though too this idea of conquering and to conquer, and we also remember the fact that uh, the tribulation is a form of temporal judgment that God is right. bringing upon the world, not the ultimate judgment, right? Which is to come at the end of time, at the after the resurrection of the living and the dead. But this is a temporal judgment that is coming on the world. And it would seem to me that that would make sense that Jesus would be the one uh, initiating that. So, okay. yeah, 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 interesting. Okay, all right. Well, I appreciate that, Nick. It gives me some more studying to do and a direction. So I was kind of leaning the other way. Now I'll have to study the other way and just kind of see where the Holy Spirit guides me on this whole. Awesome. God bless you. Thanks for your call. You bet, Nick. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got one open line. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller. Looks like David in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What's up? Uh, I just want to know, the Antichrist, is he supposed to come out of Europe? 
I remember well, hearing that back in the day when I was Catholic and I believed in purgatory. So I was just wondering if it's true. Yeah, I have no reason to believe that he will come from Europe. Um, you know, I you know it's funny. I lived in Eastern Europe. I'm a Hungarian citizen, um, and you know, so a lot of Hungarians. Uh, you know, Transylvania, for example, is a historically Hungarian region. Uh, it's now in the country of Romania, but for a thousand years it was in Hungary. And um, you know, it's funny that I was reading these Left Behind books, or I never actually read the books. I watched the movies, but you know, I I, I thought, wow, this guy. They always pin the. Uh, the bad guy on the Eastern Europeans and the Hungarians and Romanians. So I, I don't know. I kind of was like took it as an offense. Yeah. The reason why they would call they would say, you know, the antichrist would come out of Europe perhaps is this belief that there was uh, there's some allusions to Rome in the uh, book of revelation, you know, seven hills, seven horns, these kinds of things, uh, you know, Rome being the city on seven hills and talking about um, seven horns, all that. And so uh, some people have said they, they, cross-correlate this right with Daniel that talks about a great empire coming at the end of time. And a lot of people believe that's kind of a revitalized Roman empire, which would make sense that that would be in Europe and, you know, a kind of conglomeration of nations. And we've seen that in recent history taking place in Europe, but I don't think that that necessarily means that it has to be Europe. I mean, these dynamics are changing all the time. It's definitely not something I would be dogmatic about. So, and uh, one other thing relating to that, do you think it could be a Jew, Jewish descent? Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's possible, but I highly doubt it. Um, so that's my take on it. I think it's possible. I, I highly doubt it. It seems to be somebody who um, wants to rage against the Jews, you know? Um, so I think it's possible, but I doubt it. So. Okay. Well, cool, man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for calling in. God bless you. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye. Right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got 13 minutes left in the show and two open lines. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Michelle in Maryland. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the program. Michelle. Are you gone? Okay, it looks like Michelle is gone. I can tell you what Michelle's question was, and then we can answer it. Hopefully she's tuning in. So Michelle's question was this. Can a person who was gay and then gets saved but wants to continue in a homosexual lifestyle, how does that affect whether or not they are saved? This is a very interesting issue because this is a topic that I'm going to be preaching about this coming Sunday at my church. And so I've been reading up on it, and I mentioned on the show yesterday that I was just at a conference for Calvary Global Network out in Southern California last week. There with Pastor Ed and Cody King and a few other people who are here on Grace FM. And um, one of the speakers was a man named Sam Albury, and Sam um, is a person who has experienced same-sex attraction, um, and he has done a lot of work on it. Now he's a pastor, and he works with Ravi Zacharias International Ministry. He also works with... Um, Cedarville University, big evangelical university in Ohio, and he works with the Gospel Coalition. And so Sam has written extensively on this topic um, because, you know, it's one of these things very personal to him because um, if he would go with his feelings, then he would live in that lifestyle. But he's chosen not to because he is a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, the passage that I'm going to preach on this morning is, I, I read Sam's book. By the way, if you're interested, Sam wrote a book called Is God Anti-Gay? 
It's very helpful. It's a hundred pages and, um, and, you know, very short read. I read it in one night and uh, very useful uh, book for those looking for resources or really just curious, what is the Christian position on this topic? And so I would, uh, I would recommend that people, you know, everyone out there, go, go grab a copy of that book. It's one of these, you know, a uh, couple bucks on Amazon. It's called Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Albury. And uh, Sam also has videos online, uh, tons. So just Google him, Sam Albury, two L's and two R's just in case you're wanting to know how to spell that. Two L's, two R's, Sam Albury. And here's the passage I'm going to be speaking on um, this Sunday, and I think it's really relevant to your question, Michelle, um, and that's this. It's found in um, Matthew, well, now I forgot the passage. Oh, yes, it, here it is. Matthew 19, verses 1 through 12. And here's what happens. Jesus' disciples come to him, and they ask about divorce, and they say, hey, Jesus, is it true that you believe that a person should not divorce their spouse? And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. That's actually what I teach. I teach that uh, in the beginning, this is how it was. Uh, God said, you know, the man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. And they say, well, then why did Moses uh, allow for a certificate of divorce to be given. And Jesus says it was because of the hardness of people's hearts that Moses allowed it. But his point is, it's not God's design. It's not God's purpose for divorce. And their response is, wow, Jesus, your, uh, what we might call a sexual ethic or marital ethic is so conservative. Like this, I think this is so interesting that the disciples looked at what Jesus said about divorce and they're like, whoa, man, that is so conservative. Like, how do you expect anyone to live up to that? And they even went so far as to say, Jesus, if that is the case, then maybe it's better to never get married, you know, if you're going to be stuck in this for the rest of your life, right? And I, I think it's funny because I think nowadays as Christians, we take this for granted that like this is the Christian position and it's normal. But even Jesus' disciples were like, whoa, that's a radical position, like that you should be married to the same person for your entire life. And, uh, and Jesus says this, they say, well, maybe it'd be better to not ever get married. And Jesus says, well, actually, maybe you're right. Because then he says this in verse 11 of chapter 19, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. There are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and then there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive it, receive it. What is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. A eunuch would be a person, um, you know, who is either, we might call this person a transgender person today. This is a person who is biologically born intersex, right? So they're, they're neither uh, male nor female. And this is how the way that they're born. He says, some people are born that way. Some people are made that way. So it's common in that day. Like if, for example, if you worked in a king's palace, that they would make you into a eunuch so that you weren't a threat to the king's wives. Um, and then the other way, he says, some people have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you who one of those people was. One of those people was Jesus himself who said, I will choose abstinence because of the mission of God and because I want to be wholly devoted to the mission that God has given me. He actually chose abstinence. And we live in a society today that says that anytime we limit somebody's freedom, that they, that we're, that's an existential crisis, right? Like the whole, their whole purpose for being is now, you know, in crisis because, uh, you know, the Bible gives parameters and a context for how sex is designed to be used. And we say, well, if you limit my freedom in that area, well, then what is the point of my life? And 
I want you to say that Jesus himself said, hey, you can live a rich and fulfilled life, a full life, not missing out on anything, and be celibate. And he elevated the role of singleness, but he also said this, in your singleness, and I think this applies here to uh, homosexuality as well, um, that, that it's a good thing to be celibate, that that's not something to feel like you're, you know, that's a backup plan or number two or second rate. That is a legitimate track that the Bible gives and elevates as having dignity and honor and, and can be a great joy. Paul the Apostle talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7, about the, the benefits of singleness and, and chastity. And so that's, a, that's something good. And here's what I would say to that person. I would say, you know, I would really want that person to look at the, what the Bible has to say and about Jesus, about the gospel, about the lordship of God in our lives. And I would challenge that person to give up living that lifestyle. And if they say, well, look, I don't want to live a heterosexual lifestyle, then I would say, then I would encourage you to live the lifestyle that Jesus lived, the lifestyle that Paul the Apostle lived, uh, which was um, singleness. And that there is a there is great joy in that. And so, uh, but you're asking, is that person's salvation in question? Man, that's a tough one. I I want to say maybe, yes. And here's why. One of the reasons uh, I thought that was so good that Sam Albury gives in his book about why, you know, because one of the questions people ask is, hey, you know, why do Christians care what other people do in their free time? You know, and and here's what Sam says, which is actually interesting, because a lot of the times the the answers that I've heard to that question are, well, you know, if somebody's not a Christian, then we don't treat them like a Christian. We don't expect them to act like a Christian. Sam goes a different route, and he says, you know what? We do care what people do, because in the Bible, um, you know, homosexual practice is listed in a list of sins, which let's admit some of the other sins in there need to be taken uh, more attention to as well. He lists greed in there and things like that. So he says there are these sins which if a person continues in these things, they will not go to heaven. And, and, and so if, if heaven's important, which of course it is, then, then we should speak up about these things, just as we should speak up about somebody who's caught up in greed. So I hope that answers your question, Michelle. I would be concerned about a person who continues to live in a homosexual lifestyle, and I, I would be concerned about their salvation. But on the other hand, um, I will say, you know, I, I don't think that uh, homosexuality is the uh, unforgivable sin by any means. I think that it is a sin. It is not the only sin, and um, or, or even, you know, bigger. You know, it's put in the same category, like I said, with greed. And so we want to encourage people to confess all sin. We want to confess people to be, uh, or sorry, we want to encourage people to be uh, repentant people. So uh, thank you for that question. Very good, very relevant topic. For those who are interested, like I said, we're going to be talking about this at our church this coming Sunday at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. We'd love for you to join us. Let's go to our last caller, Bear in Littleton, Colorado. Hi, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Hello, Pastor Nick. How are you? Doing great. Good. Uh, I just wanted to see if I could get uh, some prayer help. Um, we have a, uh, a nonprofit ministry that ministers to the uh, disabled, disadvantaged, and elderly folks in the communities of Arapahoe and Douglas County, and we're in need of a, of a van, um, a, a, a commuter vehicle. And so we're praying, and we're asking others to pray. Uh, I thought this was a great opportunity for me to open it up to the brothers and sisters in Christ to pray with us for that and believe, believe in that for us. Uh, we just need that as a, a way that we can reach out and take people to church, uh, take them to the doctor, etc. Um, so I was hoping we could have a little prayer time over that, see if we can get yeah. a little help. 
Absolutely, Bear. Hey, you know what? I am guessing there's somebody listening right now who has a van. Maybe uh, maybe the kids, you know, are a bit little bit bigger now. Maybe one or two have gone off to college, and it's time for them to change out their car, and they have a van. And maybe this is, you know, divine appointment time, right, for somebody listening right now. You have a van, and maybe God wants you to give that van to this ministry that disabled that transports disabled and elderly people to church to the doctor to shopping. Hey, Bear, that's a noble and good ministry. I'm glad to. What's the name of your ministry, by the way? Uh, it's uh, called Love Bears All. Love Bears All. Is that because your name is Bear? No, it's because of 1 Corinthians 13. But <laughs> It has nothing it's to do with your name. Are you kidding me? Your name is Bear. You didn't. Did, have you ever thought about this before? I have. Yeah, okay, all right. I'm just making sure. All right, okay. <laughs> well, let's pray for you. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for Bear. Thank you that he's got this amazing ministry of ministering to people who are really on the fringes, right? Like people who are disabled and elderly, who need love, who need to get out of their homes. Thank you that they're meeting that need in your name. Lord, you said, you know, anyone who does these things uh, for the least of these does them for me. Thank you, Lord. And we know that they will receive a reward in heaven for that. Um, but Lord, would you bless them? Would you provide for them for what they need to do this ministry? Lord, I pray that you would put it on someone's heart to donate a van to them and that they would be able to do this ministry. And Lord, help it to grow because I know there are probably more people out there who need what they're providing beyond what they're doing. So Lord, bless them. Help them to keep the focus on you and the gospel. And Lord, we pray that many people would grow in faith and meet Jesus because of what they do. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Bear, how Thank can you. people find out more about your ministry? Uh, www.lovebearsall.org. Great. Thank you, Bear. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I've been with you today taking your calls and texts. Tune in every weekday for Calvary Live, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. God bless you and have a great evening. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.